missed my cue by about 15 seconds. Uh, but good to be with you this morning in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, good to be with these people. Always good to gather together. We are so privileged that we can do so in this season of life uh, to worship Him, to praise His name. I enjoy seeing you on Sundays and appreciate that you are here today. As we prepare our hearts for the Word of God, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to pray a prayer again. Praying is good. But this is a prayer that we would be attentive to that which the Lord may want to teach us. Um, I, when I was growing up, you know, we, 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 uh, we, we stood for the reading of the Word of God. And I didn't understand until later why we did that. Part of it is there's a sense of when we hear from God, there's a, a reverence we attribute to Him. And so even the symbolic action of standing is our way of saying, let us be attentive to what God may say to us today. And so I invite you now to pray this prayer with me. Please remain standing afterwards as I read the scripture, and then you may be seated. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. John chapter 1, reading from verse 35 through to 42. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are called to be Cephas, which is translated Peter, which is translated the rock. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We begin a series of sermons over the next few weeks, six weeks in fact, called The Journey of Grace. And the idea behind this sermon uh, series is to uh, see in the gospel, see in the New Testament, what it means to be followers of Jesus, what it means to follow in his ways. And so we want to invite you, whether at home or here, to follow along, to... Uh, prioritize hearing the word, but also significantly an opportunity that we're creating on Wednesday nights via Zoom is for a discussion, a questions, uh, guided questions that will focus upon what was preached and the text before us every Wednesday at seven o'clock. So if you're interested in being a part of that, I know that there's uh, restrictions and so on and so we're going to put that out on Zoom. Some of us are Zoomed out. But I hope that my handsome face would entice you to take a peek. Again, not appropriate time to laugh. God pursued me, came after me, even though I was not looking for him. I have a rather dramatic conversion story. And I want to preface what I say next by saying this. First, it's not really a story about look at how good Stu is. And second, not everybody needs a dramatic conversion story. In fact, I would say my parents would have probably preferred that I had a less dramatic conversion story. They would have probably preferred that I had clued in to the reality of Jesus Christ as personal Savior in my life without making some of the choices that I've made. And so let me just suggest to you that if you grew up in a church home and 
you found yourself nurtured into a faith in Jesus Christ, give God thanks. Give God thanks. If you find yourself like me, uh, a prodigal, if you will, uh, give God thanks that he welcomes back the prodigal. And if you find yourself sitting here saying, I'm not sure that I'm yet following Jesus, we're glad you're here. I was in my early 20s with a life that was full, full of hair, full of friendships, and all of my social life primarily revolved around my passion for volleyball. Now, some of you have heard me talk about this wonderful volleyball player that I was, but some of you are a little bit dubious whether I, in fact, was as good a volleyball player. I don't know if you can see that, but that's one handsome fellow in the back line there. I played volleyball with such a passion. It was what I did five days a week. I enjoyed it. I loved it. You know you have a significant thing going when they put in the newspaper a color photo of your team. Let me just remind you, this was many years ago. They didn't spend a lot of money on, the front page was color, Kerry, but the rest of it was black and white, except for this photo. I think it was my face that did it. The only thing I regret about this photo is that if you look closely, and I didn't highlight this, they spelled my name wrong. They spelled it S-T-E-W-A-R-T. So some of you are still saying we don't think it was him. Though I grew up in a Christian home, a pastor's home for that matter, by this time in my life, the interest of my life and the trajectory of my life was taking me away from hearing God's invitation for my life. Don't misunderstand me, especially if you're young here today. There is a wonderful gift in friendship, in having a full life, in playing sports, in becoming passionate about things. But what I found, even as an older person today, that there are good things that can become invitations in the wrong direction. Even some of the things we can't look at and say in and of itself that's wrong can become a deterrent, a, an invitation to take a walk in the wrong direction. In fact, a New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says of this particular text that when you go looking for Jesus and discover that he has been looking for you, you will remember that day forever. I would say to N.T. Wright's quote, I don't think that I was really looking, but I'm sure glad he came looking for me. In fact, John's gospel, the prologue of the gospel of John, the synoptics of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because they see optic together. You know how that works? But John's kind of this, this outsider gospel in some ways that begins with this, this cosmic image of the word that becomes flesh and does what? Dwells amongst us. You know what the word dwell means? It's translated elsewhere as tabernacled with these people. You know what John says from the first scripture in his gospel is that God comes to earth looking for us. I thought I'd get a better amen than that. Uh, Kelly Schwartz would know who the, uh, the band is that popularized the song. Uh, it went something like this. I found Jesus. Repeatedly, I found Jesus. To this song. John would say, no, Jesus found you. And even though I was not necessarily overtly searching what my entire being and every created being longs for, desires, is destined for, is to be restored to that which God has always intended for you and me. So I am so glad that God came seeking me. 
I remember the day specifically. I was getting ready to go out with some friends. Uh, Graham was going to pick me up. He drove a candy apple green XR6 Ford Cortina. He was coming to get me because, you know, my weekend started early on Thursday nights. Adam, in case you don't know this about me, I was kind of the life of the party back then. But as I was leaving, my John the Baptist showed up. <laughs> the one in my life who said, look, <laughs> take a pause. My mom said to me, Stu, I wonder if you want to just stay for a moment. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know how life-changing those words would be. She literally said this, why don't you just stay for a moment? And she knew she had to couch it that way just for a moment because I know you're eager to go and your friend will be in a moment, but I just want you to stay. A very important in the gospel, by the way, word in the gospel, stay. So I stayed and in a rather dramatic way, I found myself standing to my feet, seeking God's mercy and forgiveness, and my life was radically changed. Now, I know it's not fair just to give you a brief part and not explain everything that had gone on, like the role that my mom had played in pursuing me and being gracious to me, even when I became smarter than them as a teenager. I wish I could go into the, all the details of how God became seen to me through the faithful, gracious, persistent love of a mother. I wish I could tell you the ways in which God had to be embedded in my understanding through people who modeled for me what it means to follow Jesus. In fact, I want to say something really important to us. People are convinced that you just need to know what the truth is and tell people the truth in order for people to tr be changed. You know what John says? You have to become the truth. You have to become present. You have to embody the hope of Jesus Christ. You know what incarnational theology is? Is that God chose to embody our physical frame so that we would know truth. Truth in Scripture is not merely propositional, it is incarnational, it is relational. You shall know the truth in relationship to somebody. My mom embodied truth and grace and mercy. She became for me the person who made me stay, pause, and pay attention. I wonder this morning, who is your John the Baptist? Who is the person that looks so much like Jesus? Do you know what happens? Jesus says to his disciples, he says, uh, uh, who do people say I am? It's in the other synoptics also. Um... And this is how they respond. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're like a great prophet. Do you remember this? You know, I think that the best signposts, the best people to point us towards the journey of discipleship, the best people to point us towards Jesus are those who resemble him so much that we may confuse them as him. <laughs> it, however, seems to me that people want to point us to Jesus without embodying Jesus. Uh, let me say it differently. It seems like we want to point people towards Jesus without looking like him. I think the greatest compliment paid to John and Elijah and the great prophets is that they looked like Jesus, not that Jesus looked like them. <laughs> and so if I ask you the question, who is your John the Baptist don't just listen to people that are smart, people that have good theology, people that are compelling. Look at people's lives and see if this gospel actually emanates from them. See if there's actually an integrity to the ways of Jesus. 
See if there is a synergy between what is proclaimed and what is lived. More significantly, those who point us to Jesus like my mama did, Noelle and Elizabeth. They called it Jenny. No idea why. Still don't know. I don't know how you get no lean to Jenny or Elizabeth to Jenny. Maybe someone you can explain that to me, but she was known as Jenny or Jennifer. Jennifer Lawrence, did you know that? Where are you? You're well named. Was the person who did not only embody this grace and love of God and this faithfulness that we see even in John the Baptist. But she lived like John the Baptist did with an anticipation that God would show up amongst people. You see, uh, John the Baptist is described as, this is not in my notes, it's free of charge because I'm generous like that. Some of you don't know me think, what is on with this guy? I was a youth pastor for many years, so I, I still think I'm funny. <laughs> Thank you. John the Baptist is known as the one who prepares the way for Jesus. You know this? If you don't know, now you know. He's the one who points and says, hey, 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 don't get caught up with me. You know, there's one coming behind me. In fact, he says, I baptize with water, but the one who baptizes with fire and the Spirit. John's whole life was postured in such a way to anticipate and prepare the way for the one who can change lives. And and I think people who are good John the Baptist, people who get us on the journey or thinking or looking towards Jesus are the kinds of people who lives with the same anticipation and preparatory spirit. They're the kinds of people that believes this, that if John is to believe that God acts ahead of us, that God comes towards us, then they are the kinds of people who looks at life through a particular lens I'm looking for where Jesus is going to show up next. And if my only job is to say, look, look, pay attention. I want you to notice something. I want you to notice somebody. I want you to see the one that, that my life is pointing with. What does it look like for my life to be so enamored with Jesus that as I live it, I'm crying out, look, here's the one who changes lives and destinies. Here's the one who is compelling enough to follow. Here is the one that will walk with you through the highs and lows, be faithful to you even when your faith is running low. Look, here is the true Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at him. Where are the Christians, the faithful ones, that invites us to pay attention to Jesus? I wonder this morning, can I have my water, hon? I'm so sorry. You were the closest. And thank you. If you want to take a moment and think about who comes to mind that made you pay attention to Jesus. Who comes to mind that made you look? Who is that person today when you're done here? If they're still on this side of eternity, you need to call up and you need to say thank you so much. Thank you so much for being faithful. Thank you so much for living to the best of your abilities in the way of Jesus. Thank you for so much for, for making faith more than just what you said, but you embodied it, you lived it. Thank you so much that you modeled for us what it means to be faithful. Thank you that you showed me the way to Jesus. And then there's some amongst us today and needs to ask another question. We, we, we need to ask ourselves, when, when people look at me, where am I pointing them? When people look at me, where's my life pointing towards? What is my life a signpost for? What is my, my character and my conduct and my speech? 
my temperament. What is the conversations I have and what is it saying people need to be paying attention to? If I was to to, to self-examine, not only to give God thanks for those who've been good signposts to Jesus, but if I look at my own life, if I examine my own life today, am I pointing people to me? Am I pointing people to things that don't satisfy? Am I showing my children that there is a, a passion that is more important than following my Savior? Am I teaching others that their priorities that have become more significant than me, pointing all to the hope that is in Jesus Christ? If you are still with me, you say amen. I have two people in mind this morning as I prepare this, as I prepare this sermon and as I think about the sermons to come. The first person is sitting here or online, I'm hoping, who haven't yet begun to follow. Maybe today someone is saying, hey, pay attention. Maybe the fact that you are listening or the fact that you are here is an opportunity for you to, to begin to follow. But then I also have a second person in mind as I preach a sermon. It is those who have been following for a while, but at some point in time, we've kind of uh, veered off course. We've lost our way. We've started following other things, and this happens. But for the grace of God today, that invites us for a course correction. And so, how does the text help us uh, to perhaps for some begin the journey, uh, for others to get back on course? The first thing I would say is that the disciples paid attention. I know it's perhaps not surprising from the text, but John, the gospel author, points out that John the Baptist points to Jesus and the disciples not only hear this, but they begin to follow. I want you to look at verse 36. As he watched Jesus walk by, this is John the Baptist, he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. We know that discipleship is not only about recognizing who Jesus is, but it is in following him. But it begins somewhere. It begins with paying attention. It begins with learning to listen well. I can't tell you how many times when I counsel people the secret to their challenge or the, the answer or the potential solution to the right direction is often just in the ability to learn to listen well, to pay attention. I don't know if I should say this, but maybe confessionally, sometimes I don't do this right. Sometimes when I'm listening to people, not to you, sometimes I'm tempted to not listen well. I, I, I'm formulating an answer to a question you may not even be asking. In fact, some of the people I've done premarital counseling with, they, they can attest to this. Uh, we, we do this exercise. It's a listening exercise where we ask uh, the couple to express to each other something very specific. And then the other person is to respond and say the same thing back. Nine out of ten times, the simplest of sentence doesn't get heard. And the other person says, that's not what I said. The other person says, are you sure? <laughs> Listening, paying attention. Maybe this morning you're sitting here and you've come with all kinds of reasons to church. Maybe there's a crisis in your life. Maybe there's a, a compelling desire to be with other believers in worship. Maybe you're just kind of curious who we are as a church and you find yourself here. Let me invite you to be a good disciple today. 
to not ask this question, what might God say to so-and-so next to me? I hope he's listening. To not say, I, I, I hope that others at home are hearing this message, but perhaps more specifically to say to yourself, what is God inviting me to pay attention to? Not only do we need to learn to pay attention if we want to start on this journey of grace, we need to learn to follow. In verse 38, which I already read, I'll read it again because you can't read the Word of God enough. When Jesus turned and saw them following him, he said to them, what are you looking for? <laughs> what are you looking for? What a, what a, what a piercing question. The Gospels would repeatedly remind us through the example and sometimes the poor example of disciples that what they were looking for was not who Jesus was. The disciples follow with a sense of who Jesus is. But it is only in following him that they would learn who he is. In fact, at some point, as they are following and Jesus is saying things like, hey, in a few days I'm going to die on a cross, I'm going I'm to be crucified, but I want to assure you that I will be raised to life again, uh, they would say, no, not so for you. That's not the Jesus we signed up to follow. It's fascinating. Because when you look at the life of the disciples without recognizing how prone you and I are to be like them, then we put ourselves outside of the category of God's grace. Because even when they don't get who Jesus is, he consistently gives them what they need to actually get it. So, uh, let me put it this way. There, there's some of us who started following a long time ago. We're on this route, we're following Jesus, we're following Jesus. But there's been times where Jesus has allowed circumstances and things to challenge our perspective of him. And we have just said, no, no, no. This past year, I've heard words used like deconstruction, scary words. Some people say things like, you know, I, I'm not sure about my faith anymore. In fact, sadly... Some have walked away from the church. And I wonder, just as a pastor, I'm just wondering out loud, whether a part of why people become confused in hard times is that they have confused following Jesus with a walk that is free from challenges. I wonder if some people stop following Jesus when when Jesus is really hard to understand when life gets complex. I wonder if some people stop following Jesus because he's not interested in giving them what they think is his priority for their lives. I wonder if some of us stop following because it's hard to follow a savior that says lay down your life. Don't live for yourself. It's hard to follow a Jesus that invites us to come and die so that we may truly live. So when we hear this word today and we hear that not only are we to pay attention, but we are to begin to follow, like the disciples, some of us will learn who Jesus is only as we take a step towards him. It's okay if you don't have all the answers. Some people are afraid to say yes to things that they don't know what they're getting themselves into, and rightly so. If you've signed a contract in the back of your mind, you're going, ooh, I hope, I hope there's not something that's going to trick me up. That first time you sign that, that mortgage <laughs> with fear and trepidation. In fact, Jesus would say it this way. Listen, no one begins building a house and doesn't count the cost of actually finishing it. So be careful when you say yes to Jesus. But for those of us who might kind of go, you know what, Stu, I, I think I need, to be, I need to be more ready. I need to understand more. I need to have a better grasp. I want to say yes. 
Perhaps that's true in part, but I want to suggest to you that the way in which you get to know who he is, according to the gospel witness, is only when you start following him. You can read books. Books are good. I have lots of books. You can hear great sermons. Sermons are good. If you don't like this one, there's about 5,000 online this morning that you can listen to. And just click when you don't like that one. But if we are to take him seriously, if we are to become who he wants us to be, we're going to have to learn to trust him by following him. What are you looking for in Jesus today? Why are you here? I can tell you that my experience, if I'll be honest with you, is it started with a, a sense of what he might be, but it, it surely was upended by a lot of stuff. Just uh, this past week on the 29th of September, marked 25 years since the accident that claimed the lives of my mom, dad, brother, and sister. You know, when I walked into that living room and, and, and my John the Baptist pointed me towards Jesus, it's three months from then that my family's car was hit by a drunk driver. I, I can tell you that from a pastoral perspective, I've not always walked straight. I've not always got it right. But I've learned even in the, the times when things just doesn't make sense, that I need to trust him a lot more than I trust myself. I, I need to learn how to, even in those moments, just depend upon him and cry out to him. I, 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 I need to trust him. I need to trust him. He is the one who is called anointed in the text, also rendered Messiah. He's the Lamb of God, and the disciples would certainly know what all of that meant. And if I could summarize it, I would say that based upon John's gospel, discipleship can be defined like this, as taking a journey with Jesus, and as we travel, our lives are changed. We pay attention, we follow, but we also learn to stay. Jesus says to him, why are you following me? They say, where are you staying? <laughs> Jesus says to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. The word stay, remain, same root word in the Greek. The word is meno. It is the same word that is used in John 15 when Jesus says, you cannot produce any fruit out of your life unless you learn to stay in me. Or as some translations render it, abide in me, remain in me. Now, I want to be very honest with you. I, I like that the disciples are just, they, 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 they're interested in following Jesus to where Jesus is going. <laughs> Maybe a better way to say it. They're interested in following Jesus to where Jesus is staying. Little did they know that he would not only invite them to come and see where he's staying, but he would invite them through the giving of his own spirit to make their very home in him. Woo! I, I signed up to be where you're living. I didn't sign up for you to live in me. I, I want to know the address. I don't want to be the address. I, 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 I just want to be close, but I don't know if I want to be overcome by you.
But maybe today, you just need to get close. Maybe some of us need to to look at our priorities in our life. Look at your, look at your, you know, look at your, your, your what, what do we have today? Um, it's not diaries or date books. It's all online, your calendar. Where is your appointments with Jesus? You know, one of the ways we, or a few of the ways I think we learn to stay with him, and I'm drawing to an end. And you say, oh, no, pastor, keep going. No one. We learn to abide according to John 15 through his word. Um, When I grew up, I was always made feel guilty that I didn't read the word of God enough. Do you feel that way? I almost feel like I want to ask you to raise your hand because I think there's a lot of us that suffer from that. I would suggest to you that whenever you put yourself in a posture of trying to finish something because you feel like it's an obligation, you miss the invitation. You know, Jesus would have his disciples understand that the word gives life. You know, reading the word should not feel like a burden or a chore. Some days, I got to be honest though, when I get up in the morning, I'm not feeling very inspired. And I read, you know, Jeremiah, yeah. I'll put that one down for today. <laughs> but there's something important about even understanding that the Word of God is a, is a means of orienting ourselves towards a story that is filled with hope. It is learning to live in a story that others might think is a fantasy but is ever so real because of Jesus. It is learning to find my place in the plan of God for life. Another way we learn to stay with Jesus is we welcome his spirit. <laughs> Come on, amen. We, we believe that he says, if you ask, I will give it to you. <laughs> uh, the apostle Paul would say, That the Holy Spirit does the work of affirming in the believer that they indeed are children of the living God. We learn to stay among his people. That's a hard one. I guess in some ways, um, I'd be the greatest pastor if I didn't have other people to pastor. (laughs) Just like I was the perfect parent before I had children. You always point other people, you know, do this, this, and this. Johnny will be fine. Well, then we had a Luke. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's a great kid. <laughs> Can't call him a kid anymore. His hair is taller than me now. So, When I make these points, I often forget the main point I was making. Can someone remind me? What was I was saying something really good. Anybody? Nobody? <laughs> See that first point about listening? <laughs> What's that? The Spirit. Yes, 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 yes. The Spirit that bears witness with our spirit that we belong. The point I was making that the Spirit is one of the ways we know um, that we are abiding with Him, but the other way is through His people. And, And I have to say to you that sometimes it is hard to discern Jesus in the midst of community. People are saying things like, I don't need the church. Fair statement. Some people are saying, I don't need others to be a Christian pastor. Certainly, what if I was on a remote island by myself? 
Are you? Or do you just wish you were? You know what Jesus says? He says, um, he says uh, to the question, what is the greatest commandment? Uh, he said, well, you know, how do you sum it all up? He says, you will love the Lord your God with everything. And you will love your neighbor. You will love your neighbor. Church, why is it so hard for us to get that? Why are we so easy to walk away from relationships? Do we not recognize that our faith is not simply about our relationship with God, but Jesus would say to us, if you do not love your neighbor, something's not right with your love for me. I, I, listen, I don't care how polished we are when we do this. I, I don't care whether, 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 whether Kelly sang every song in the right key. I, I don't even care if I follow my notes to a T. And by the way, my notes are really good today because I had to give Jody my notes for the slides. But what I do care about is a faith community that understands the great commandment. Don't, don't come to church thinking that the people around you don't matter. Don't leave church thinking that the people around you don't matter. Don't go to school thinking that your friends don't matter. Don't go to college thinking that your fellow classmates don't matter. Don't go to work thinking that those you work with don't matter. They matter in more ways than we realize. In fact, I would say God's people, when we gather together like this, ought to be an encouragement to one another so that we can continue to stay with Jesus. But as we go into this world, may the spirit that fills us and the word that has been proclaimed on a Sunday, every Sunday in this church, so shape our life that fruit will come forth from us. Because we're following Jesus. So I close. We pay attention. We follow. We learn to stay. But we begin where we, or we end where we begun. The invitation is to come and see. You cannot begin this journey from a place you're not at. So there's some people here who I think you've been around these Christian folks. They're a little strange. They're a little weird. They speak about things that other people don't speak about. And yet you're curious. You're in the right place today. Maybe there's some of us, we've been on this journey for a long time, but, you know, just because you're growing older doesn't mean you're growing wiser. Gray is not always a sign of wisdom. So as you follow, as we follow Jesus, maybe there's some of us today who, who needs to kind of just recognize, just be honest with ourselves. Don't fill your head with so-and-so and that person said this and ooh, that, oh that, whatever. Just you and God right now. Is he perhaps saying something to you about your life? You can't run away from it. You're confronted with it right now. Hey, Stu, you stopped following. You've heard others yell things and you've paid more attention to them than the ones who yell, pay attention to Jesus. Your imagination is no longer captivated by my glory and my beauty. You, 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 you're just kind of enamored with things that at the end of the day won't lead you to me. 
You know what strikes me in this season of life, and I have to be very careful. Whenever I speak of myself, I want you to understand a few things. The word, people will say to me, you know, you're very passionate when you preach. I always used to think that means that you need to have a little bit more content and a less more excitement and warm fuzzies. You know. I want you to hear that. I, I hear the word, uh, the conviction that comes from my life comes because the word speaks to me first. In fact, one of the principles I teach those who I help to preach better is I say, unless the word speaks to you, don't speak it. Don't just stand in front of people telling them what they should be doing with your life when your own life lacks the circumspection, lacks the honesty, lacks the integrity. Listen, there is enough people who can speak and talk a great talk, preach better than I preach, and yet when we examine the life of every individual, do we see someone who's following Jesus? Someone who suffers with grace, someone who seeks forgiveness, someone who lives for reconciliation, someone who lives to see people united, someone who desires people to know the life that God can give them through Christ. Maybe there's some of us that just need to be reoriented to the journey, other voices, other passions, other ideas, they may not be bad. God may want to bless you with it. He may want to give you an abundance of things and social settings and friendships and successes. But even if he does not, he is worth following because he is true and he is life. And your soul comes to rest and find its purpose only in him. The good news, the God news, the gospel news is that grace is sufficient for all. The newbie, did I use that right? It's a very Canadian term. Been here a long time, but I still wonder sometimes if I get the slang right. And the season. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. You know what that means? It means that when we follow Jesus, there's some things we're going to have to learn to carry well. You know, following Jesus, you know, if you're going to start this discipleship journey under the misconception that, that you're not going to have to learn to carry some things, you're probably not going to follow well. But listen to this. There's one who teaches us how to carry a yoke. Learn from me, he says. For I'm gentle and humble in heart. We're the gentle and humble yoke bearers. And you will. You will. You will, say that with me, you will find rest I didn't sleep well on Friday night, Saturday morning. Why am I becoming that guy that chokes up every time? <laughs> oh, man. My mom was here. She would be crying with me. Some of you know that Lauren has is, is left this past week and they flew from, um, she had a travel companion, praise God. Uh, they flew from here to Atlanta, from Atlanta to Puerto Rico. I landed at 10 o'clock at night in Puerto Rico. They had to get their bags so that they leave the secure area and then they were not allowed to come back in till the next morning. When they landed, they had no cell coverage, and they had to pay, but they couldn't pay because they couldn't get back into where they could get cell coverage. We had been texting, call us when you get there. And the hours ran, you know, into each other, and we just became so 
concerned, you know, and worried, then I could not rest. You know, I, 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 um, I love English Premier League soccer, and so there was a game on at 5 a.m., and I thought, good. When I watched that, I couldn't even enjoy soccer. I was just so consumed with worry until my wife sent me that text and said, they're okay. And I remember uttering these words. My soul is at rest now. You know that angst? You know that, 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 that the, the state of our lives that keeps us worried? What is it for you today? Because sometimes... It's the, the fear, the anxiety, the concerns of life that can keep us from following. But Jesus says if we come to him, we will find rest for our souls. We will find rest for our souls. For his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Father God, this morning, I commit to you, your people, the church. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us what it means to follow you. that we would pay attention today, that we would respond today, and that we would learn to stay and remain with you. I pray for the restlessness, the anxiety, We've tried a lot of things to, to quell that anxiety. But maybe we need to just hear again the, the gracious, humble invitation to come to Jesus. To come to Jesus. Father, as we sing this song, I pray that we would do so now. We would respond to your word in obedience. We would respond in humility. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.